and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. My name is Carla. I have been a dog groomer since 2014. Over time, be it before an exam, at the side of a competition ring or online, I have had many a quiet chat with fellow dog groomers who, like myself, struggle at times to balance life, work and maintaining a healthy well-being. My aim is to talk to both professional dog groomers and mental health professionals to help us understand what triggers stress and anxiety within our industry, why so many of us struggle with our mental health and what we can do to help ourselves. I also want to share stories and handy tips to make life in the salon easier. I am not a professional in mental health and I am not qualified or trained to give advice in this area. I am however interested in mental health and what effects our work can have on our well-being and finding ways to help. So, whether you are a brand new groomer or you have been at it for decades, whether you struggle with your mental health or work with a groomer who does, this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. It is so cold and today it has even snowed. So I hope you're all staying warm and you're coping with the forever seeming winter period. I personally can't wait to see a bit of sun. This week I'm talking to Colin Taylor. I wanted to ask him about the things he sees in the industry, about new groomers, the generation of groomers that went before him and all sorts of other things. Colin was one of the first speakers that I saw in the first seminar weekend that I ever went to. The whole weekend had talks on different breeds, all sorts of different subjects and had all sorts of different speakers. Colin was speaking about charging the worth, customer service, and he spoke about several ways to help speed up or simplify your grooms. Since I met him that weekend, he has always preached the same topics and he always tries to help groomers make salon life easier. During the interview, we do discuss struggling to sleep and we also mention some of the supplements that we've tried to help. However, we are dog groomers, not medical experts. So if you think about trying any supplements, I recommend that you consult your doctor first. Colin Taylor has been grooming for over 37 years. He has competed in the competition ring and can now often be found judging. He runs Master Groom Grooming Competition and the World Grooming Conference. He sells his own products. He was a judge alongside Ferrity Hardcastle on the TV series Pooch Perfect. And he runs his own podcast called Spilling the Tea with Colin Taylor. So let's get straight to the interview. Here we go. Hi, Colin. Welcome to Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast. How are you today? I am well. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Thank you. And so I'm going to be honest, this is the second time that we've done it because we did it a few days ago and Carla forgot to press record for the first time, which I know is something that does happen in podcasts. So uh, we're just going to go with it, aren't we? (laughs) You know what? It's like I said, I did exactly the same thing with Nathan Austin and his wife, I had a, it was a really lengthy conversation. And as I'm getting to the end, I'm like, okay, press stop. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I haven't even pressed record yet. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so it happens. And you know what? It's just one of them things. We're human, aren't we? So it's okay. Yes. Yeah. So to start us off, can you just let us know what you're up to in the industry at the moment? I am selling products. I'm trying to come up with new products. And obviously that's very, very difficult in an industry where A lot of people send the same stuff, which is absolutely fine. It's just a matter of, you know, trying to be a little bit different, trying to be a little bit more progressive, trying to figure out what people really do want to make their job easier and not just be gimmicky and stuff like that. And also um, doing their seminars and education. I love I love doing seminars. I really enjoy it. And um, I'm going to one this Sunday, actually. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Brilliant. And so making things easier for groomers is something that I know you're really passionate about. I've been to quite a few of your seminars now, and it's all about simplifying grooms, making grooms a bit quicker, getting the customer service right and getting the customers behaving how you want them to, charging more, all these sorts of things. So what is it that's made you so passionate about spreading all this rather than the ins and outs of a certain breed? I think really to start with, I think a lot of people try and jump from A to F or Z or whatever before they have to go through the motions of becoming a really good all-round pet groomer before they go into the breeds. I'm not saying they can't, but Mm -hmm. I'm saying if you're a student and you want to, you know, do a lion trim and a poodle, I would suggest you do a lamb trim first before you go into doing a lion trim. And then you can understand the prep work because it's a big, I mean, let's face it, prep work is 
is a big, big thing. And it's the most important thing. So, you know, I go to a seminar. I'm not there to wow them with my grooming. I mean, you know, I'm a pet groomer. I've come full circle. I've done it. And I've realized what makes us a living and puts food on the table for us and our family is pet grooming. So I want to simplify it and not make things difficult and not make people freak out about something that doesn't need to be freaked out about. I think sometimes some of us like to make it a little bit too difficult when it doesn't have to be. It's easy to get sort of caught up online with seeing, oh, who's won this competition? Who's won that competition? Oh, this is how this should be. Come and learn this, the ins and outs of this. When actually, like you say, just the basics of without without a good basic prep, doesn't matter what technique you've got further down the line, it's never going to look how you want it to. And realistically to get to do these competitions to get to do these seminars or just anything that we want to do in our spare time depends upon what money we're making and so we've got to impress the customer because ultimately they're the ones that's paying our paying our way aren't they absolutely you know what it comes down to customer service making sure the customer's happy but more importantly making sure that the dog is safe that's really really important the welfare and obviously I don't want to go to work fighting with dogs. I want to go to work enjoying myself. So I have a routine. The routine gets broken if the dog doesn't like a certain thing. I'm so not there to fight with it. You know, like like work with the dog and get it to a um, a happy place, not frighten it and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I enjoy doing that. Going into the new year, it's a chance to sort of turn over a new leaf, really, isn't it, I think, as well. And I know that a lot of us groomers go up and we go down in how we feel about work. I know, like, the rough does sort of come with the smooth of it, doesn't it? So you've been in the industry a long time. You've been grooming a long time and working with groomers a long time. What's kept you part of the industry? What's kept you wanting to do both grooming in the salon and being a part of the industry as well? I get that question a lot, and I don't know if it's FOMO, like fear of missing out of, or <laughs> or, 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 or just, I, I think to a point, okay, I was terrible at school. I didn't like school. I wasn't bullied, but I just didn't, I didn't enjoy subjects. I loved art. I love woodwork. I love cookery. I love textiles. I loved all of that. Creative stuff. But I didn't like mm-hmm. history and geography. I didn't, didn't graduate for the lack of a, you know, for just to put it out there. Mm-hmm. So I went into dog grooming, and... It's what I know. It, it, I, I, it's kind of second nature to me. I do know other things. Okay, I'm a creative person, but I love, I love the industry. I love the people in the industry. I love that we are all creatives, and it's like a big family unit, and um, we come together. Also, what's kept me in it is the fact that every single day I get things out of it. I learn from people. I um, look at something in a different way and my opinion changes or the way I do things change. And so I think it keeps it, even though I've been in for 37 years, I still feel like I I can learn things. Like the other day I was saying to Coleman, I wouldn't compete, but I do believe if I want to carry on and be a judge, I should always, always progress on my learning so I can progress on my judging also. Yeah, no, that makes a, makes a lot of sense. And I think that the thing is with our industry is, like you say, there is so much to learn. You never finish, do you? There's always another breed to learn about. There's always another product to improve. There's always another something to create. There's always a way you can tweak an event to sort of make yeah. it run smoother, make it more productive, yeah. encourage new people in. So that it's limitless, really, isn't it, our industry? Well, well yeah, and, and actually you just, hit, you just hit the nail on the head. There's so many pathways in this industry to go. With grooming, when people say to me, is grooming a young person's game? I'm like, you know what? No, it's not. Do I believe washing and drying is? Yeah, because me bent over a bathtub all day is not good. I can sit at a table and cut hair off all day long. But it's the the washing, the drying, which is the real, I call it the grunt work. And I tell people, if you've got a good washer and dryer, you treat them like gold and you pay them well because they are... They are so important. So, you know, I, I, I think when it comes to it, with this industry, you don't have to be in the grooming industry forever. You can be selling products to groomers. You could do education. You can do webinars. You can do podcasts. You can yeah. do anything. So that's that's what makes it really good. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And what what you're saying when it comes to educating and coming up with new things, obviously you're working with groomers a lot of the time now. What do you feel like speaking to them has taught you 
about our industry, how it's changed over time. Do you think that now customers are becoming more aware of the things that we have to go through? Are the stresses still the same now as they used to be? Are things changing? Because obviously you're speaking to all the people all the time. So Yeah, yeah. So, so I do think, I think the general public appreciate us more. I still think they have a lot to learn, but that comes down to our job of being the educators. You know, I see a lot of times groomers complaining about their customers, but I'm thinking, hold on one second. You can't hold somebody accountable for something they don't know. So mm. if you have a problem, then educate them so they understand that and um, and then go from there. But you know what? I think the industry has come, up, come on leaps and bounds. There's some things we need to kind of progress in a little bit more. But I think as a whole, you know, we're, we've gone from um, years ago from dogs living in the kitchen or one part of the house to never being groomed to now mm. having dogs sleeping in our beds and sitting on our couches <laughs> And being really a part of the family unit. And yeah. um, I think people are having, buying puppies before they have kids these days, if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, or so, so I think, kids completely in my case. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I, I, to me, it's like, I mean, I said to Coleman, you know, I was on um, Facebook the other day and there was this uh, um, rescue centre and they had these two chihuahuas. I'm thinking, oh my God. I just, <laughs> if, because, She's looking for homes, and I couldn't have one. I'd have to have both of them. Yeah. And I love chihuahuas. I, I've i always loved saying, I said to Coleman, if I got another dog, it has to be something small enough, I can take on a plane, and it can go anywhere I go. Yeah. Because, you know, that way I haven't got to worry about a dog sitter. Right now we have a cat who's amazing. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it has come on a long, long way when it comes to how we look at dogs as a whole. People are more finicky about how they how their dog looks. They want their dogs to look beautiful for Christmas and yeah. for special occasions and stuff. So yeah, things have de definitely turned a corner there. That's good. And you spend obviously a lot of time working with the newer groomers. What what is it about the newer groomers that you really like working with? I love them because you know what I see. I see me all the time in these new groomers. You know what? Let's face it. Well, when we're in this industry to begin with, we're very naive. Yeah, I had a woman message me the other day regarding she has a neck strap and the bit at the back of the neck strap keeps on coming up when the dog moves. And I said to her, I said, you know what? I said, you have to be probably a little bit more firmer. And, and this is a real hard one, because when you're teaching a new person to be firm, you always have to say firm, but kind and always make them realize you've got to treat them like a little child sometimes. And you've got to say mm. now naughty. Now stop that. You know, but I think, you know, this is the, the one thing in the industry we've got to kind of work on is the whole fact of it's okay to say to a dog, now stop it. But then yeah. again, when you when you praise a dog, you praise a dog in a different voice. And it all comes down to the handling. And that's a big, big thing. And I want yeah. the new groomers to realize that dog grooming is 80% handling, 20% the haircut. If you can handle a dog, you can groom anything. If you can't handle a dog, you're going to find many things very difficult. Yeah. So I think, you know, we've got to get past that of, you know, we see so many things on TV with children now with consent and you got to, you know, and I do believe we do have to look for body language, what the dog's trying to tell us. Yeah, and if we feel like that dog's stressed out, then we, we have to change the way we do things. Yeah. Yeah. It's about being, being adaptable and just getting the experience with the dog because I've yeah. done a little bit of teaching in my time. And one thing that I found was it was both ends of the scale, really. It was A, not letting the dog just get away with, you know, anything, but also when you're fussing them, not exciting them and making it harder That's for right. yourself. That's I'm, right, yeah. I'm quite a calm person. I've worked with um, children before I worked with dogs. And I found the same with very similar. Children and dogs are very similar when you're teaching teaching kids to dance and working with dogs on the table because you have to let them be free enough to feel comfortable but have enough Absolutely. boundaries not to completely yeah. walk all over you at the same time. Yeah. Um, and then it's okay to get them excitable because you want them to enjoy themselves a little bit, but you don't want them doing cartwheels all over the bloody place when you're trying to get a job done. So it does take a little bit of time, doesn't it, to find that that level? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think it's one of them things where you have to say, this dog is a puppy, it's coming in. You know, you have to let them get away with 
a bunch of stuff. But then again, you have to also let them know, but this is business and you got to yeah. get it done. But in a fun way, you know, I mean, me and Coleman went to a Taylor Swift at the movie theatre, right? A concert. Yeah. And there was me and Coleman and a couple of other guys and 50 children, probably under, under the age of like <laughs> eight years old. And these kids are running back and forth in front of the screen. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're having so much fun. And I'm so glad that they weren't told off or be told to sit down because the Odeon Theatre said, no, no running around and no climbing on furniture, which mm -hmm. they didn't. But you can't expect a kid to sit there for no. a two-plus-hour two concert and to their, their, their idol and not to dance. I loved it. It was so much fun. And I'm like, oh, this is great. But the same with dogs. You have to say, you know what? They're coming in. They haven't got a clue what's going on. So you have to make it as fun and structured as possible. Yeah. And simple as that. Yeah, simple, it's routine, isn't it? Yeah. It's routine and getting them used to things in, in a kind, but like I say, enough boundaries to not be unsafe and to be able to actually get the job done. And that is one of the things that new agreements, I think, do struggle with most. Um, that is the, the main thing that I know I've seen mm -hmm. people sort of take a while to get their head around. But then looking at the other end of the industry, because I know also that you are very respectful and you do talk a lot about the groomers who have gone before you. So mm -hmm. why do you think that that's an important thing? Well, I, I, I want, going back to the young people, to know who's laid their path for them. You know, there's people like Jalise who taught me how to groom. She led the path. Her, Anita Baxter and Peter Young, they were the first people that wrote City and Guilds. Um, then you got Angela Cayley, Lynn, Lynn Forsyth, and you got um, Dinah North. And so many more. And, you know, who have really kind of put down a foundation and so it's a little, to me, it's so important that they're respected and also the young people know these people because they're still amazing, incredible, very competent people. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's important that the young people know this because, and also for them to realise, but they're at the age they're at and they're still doing it. So, yes. you know, so, so there's no, there's no limits to, I mean, and thank God, because um, without saying that, make sure, guys, if you're young, get a pension, get a pension, get a pension. Because you don't want to be, if, if you are grooming forever, you still want to have some kind of thing to rely on when you can't groom. Or like yeah. me, I said, I'll be selling combs until I'm 90. You know? And that, that <laughs> like what you just said about a pension, is something that... Um, Triggers a lot of anxiety and fear into me because I don't understand any of it. And I'm 37. Yeah. I'm going to hold my hands up. I had an interview before Christmas with a pension advisor. And uh -huh. I'm having an interview uh, later on in January with him again about how much I need to be putting away, where I need to put it, what sorts of people I can get it from, what's right for me. Because... I've always uh -huh. been self-employed. I've been self-employed since I left school. Yeah. I was a dance teacher, straight into a groomer. Numbers are not my strong point. And pension is just something that I've never done. And it terrifies me to think I'm already nearly 40. Um, well, yeah. It needs to be sorted. I've got a lot of catching up to do. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but you know what? You, first of all, you're not alone. Don't panic because, okay, I'm 54. And I get emails all the time. Have you made your your, your funeral plans? Have you done? And I'm thinking, don't <laughs> tell a person who suffers with anxiety. No. Have they wrote their will? Have they done this? Have they done that? And I'm as, I'm with you when it comes to spreadsheets. You know, it was Lauren from Muttis who taught me about margins and taught me about. I had no clue about no. pricing and all that kind of stuff. And thank God I got a great accountant who. She knows all my PayPal, all my well pay, and she goes into it. And so whatever is made by card is made by card. I, I like to sleep at night. And mm. you know what? As much as I think, oh, my God, taxes and, you know, all that, I want to be able to know when it's being done. I don't want to scramble last minute like I've done for so many years. No. And you know, wait until December to do my taxes. So, you know what, uh, Colin? And, we're on we're on the fifth of January, and I'm approximately a third of the way through the tax return that's due at the end of the month. So I my know, anxiety is like tick 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 tick. Okay, but, but uh, okay. So, um, so what I what I what I can recommend to you is get yeah. your accountant to do um to do either 
monthly or bi-monthly where they come to your house or you take it there. All yeah. the paperwork goes in. That's what I do. Because yeah. you know what? It makes me, then by October, the taxes are done. Mm. And uh, and uh, believe me, I am the, I'm with you. I would get so freaked out. Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, you haven't got to worry about it. And the accountant has everything what they need to have. They come to the yeah. house, they pick it up and they take it. That is something that is new year, new start. I am passing that buck over to someone else this year because yeah. I did 10 years as a dance teacher. I'm now hitting 10 years as a groomer and I've had enough of this shit. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know what? And, and I, think, I think any groomer or any creative person, as soon as you mention anything somewhat serious like a car machine or uh, the accountant, they're like, oh, they just shrivel. Panic, panic, panic. And, Exactly. But you know what? You don't have to because accountants are there to help you. Um, card machines are definitely there to help you. And so it's, you know what? It's just, it all sounds daunting because all we want to do is get behind a dog and groom it. But yeah. in fact, there's so much more to it than that. That it, there, there is. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot more to go into it. And I think the more people I've spoken to this year, and the more people that I've, well, last year now, um, the more I've listened back through some of the other episodes where i can hear in my voice how stressed out i get as soon as the word tax pension spreadsheet anything is like trigger 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 so uh -huh. yeah next year this is me passing it over to someone else and i i strongly advise that to anyone else who's listening Good. but let's hear about your conference what's going on this year with the conference what's going on with master groom fill us in so, what's the plan? so i was going to merge master groom and the conference together and then i'm like oh my god no 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 don't do that because the conference at the Doubletree Hilton just works. And the reason why it works is because Dan, my stage and sound man from um, Clear Sound, just gets it. You know, it's hard to find people in sound and stage who understand dog grooming and understand how to film it. But mm -hmm. these guys, after the first year, they've got it down. So I'm going back to the Doubletree for the conference. I am going to change things up for the meal. People always had a problem with it, and I totally understand why. So I'm going back to limited the seats for the dinner. So mm -hmm. smaller group of people, I'm having it as a sit-down meal and a dress-up meal. People love okay. to dress up, apart yeah. from me. You know, so I'm doing that. With Master Groom, I'm, it's going to be held at the Crew Hotel and Spa in Cheshire. Okay. I'm making it smaller also, really downsizing the amount of the classes. And I'm changing, just changing little things here. No prejudging. You know, I'm really big about the dog's welfare, how long the dog's been on the table. And I think we spoke about this before where, you know, when it comes to prejudging, you're adding half hour onto a class mm -hmm. and where it doesn't need to be. You know, when, when they say to you, okay, contestants, you may start grooming. The judges can walk around then in the first 10 minutes and see if a dog has sufficient hair or the yeah. dog is clean. And if mm -hmm. a judge can't do that, then they probably shouldn't take on the assignment. That's just me talking from my heart. And yeah. it's just, you know, because we have to look at this. We really do, because I really, it stresses me out. And there's two scenarios. You've got a class of 30 poodles. If you pick first, second and third out of them 30 poodles, 27 people haven't got a clue where they stood. But mm -hmm. if you actually did a visual judging and made the cut and you were left with 10 people and yeah. you combed them 10 people, then for them 10 people, you're like, oh, my God, I made the top 10. And for the other 27 people, they could then go to a critique table and get a really well-deserved critique, which is another problem because a lot of people don't have the time or they're too busy. So I'm hoping shows may actually hire they're judges, but one of them judges purely be a critique judge. That's a good idea. That's what I could be, you know, and so that judge is working with all the judges working together. If you have three judges per class, all the judges are working together, but after they made the cut, then the one judge from the three, then they got that one judge goes off to a critique table. So that way there's no conflict of information. They're all on the same page. Yeah. And I think that is if you're paying sixty quid for an entry, I think you should get a you should get a critique, a proper critique, yeah. not just yeah. not just that, oh, you did a pretty job. Because, you know, I, I've been there, I've done that as a judge. It's really hard when you're going from one class to another class and I'm thinking, okay, that person, then the person messages you back about a week later and you're thinking, holy 
Holy shit, I haven't got a clue what your dog looked like. Can you send me a photo? Yeah, because it must be life very confusing. Just, yeah, life catches up with you. And there's nothing better than having a dog in front of you where you could even cut hair off if you wanted to as a judge. You know, yeah. so you have to show them what they're doing. So, yeah. Yeah, or put your comb in to show how deep it is one side and not yeah. the other side. I mean, exactly. in the pre, pre-judging, I, I've been under you a few times um, where you've judged me, and you always walk around and say, is there a problem with the dog? If there's Absolutely. a problem, it yep. takes, what, 10 seconds to show you a bit of Absolutely. hair that's missing or yep. a dodgy top yep. line or whatever it is you want to yep. show. Um, and then at the end, I mean, if they're, if the pads aren't clipped right, you can check at the end, same as you're judging everything else. If there's of knots in the elbow, can. you're going to find them. You've got till the end of the competition yeah. when the judge comes around. So that does make a lot of sense. I mean, pre-judging does take up a lot of time. So I'm I'm quite chuffed that you've, you've gone forward with just eliminating that bit. And I really yeah. like the idea of getting a good critique at the end because, mm-hmm. like you say, sometimes you've got um, – you're in the morning class, for example, you've then got to come off the table, get all your stuff packed away. By the time it's packed away, you can't see where the judge is or they're busy talking to five other people. Then in the afternoon, they might be judging someone else. You're walking around thinking, I don't know what I did, what I didn't do. Um, And like you say, by the time you get home, I mean, I'm probably at least three hours from most competitions. So by the time you've got back, you've settled down, you've sorted your dogs out, it's time to go to bed. By the time the next day comes around, like you say, the judge is like, who was you? Which one was you? Can I have a picture? Do I, you know, and you, you haven't got that, yeah, yeah. that thorough, thoroughness is what I was going to say. <laughs> I don't yeah, know well, that's well, word, well, but you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, I mean, um, to get a, a thorough critique, it has to be in front of you. So you know, it's, it, it's got to be fresh in your mind. Yeah, and I, I have got people who want to go to competitions who I quite often will turn up to with a dog and they're not even the judge for that day. And I just say, look, I really like your opinion. I learned from you well. Can you explain what you know what you think I should do better? And that's mm-hmm. really good. That's really helpful. When people are prepared to help people like that, I always appreciate that advice. But at the same yeah. time, you do still want it from the judge because that was you need to understand what it was that they thought. Should you yeah. go under them again? You know, yeah. should they come yeah. up with something different? So, no, I think that's a really, really nice idea. Yeah. Yeah. So shall we move on to the final questions that I was going to ask you? Go. So what are you looking forward to this year in the industry the most? Oh, this year in the industry. What am I looking forward to? Oh, well, obviously crafts because I, I, I enjoy crafts. Yeah. Um, I, compl- I complain about it every single year, but I absolutely thrive on losing my voice, having selfies taken with people, <laughs> just like this. As much as people like to think I'm like this big, crazy person, I'm very introverted in a kind of way. And I'm kind of, I cannot stand my photo being taken. <laughs> so Bear and Coleman's like, come and get your photo taken. So I, I, I enjoy crafts because I get to see so many groomers that we never see at crafts. Because when you go to a grooming competition, you can deal with the same demographic normally. Yeah. When I go to crafts, I see so many new people. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to China to judge in August. Um, going to America a few amazing. times. Yeah, yeah, it, it will be. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. They're very, they're so meticulous in their work. They're so so. Everything is like impeccably placed in um, mm-hmm. in their grooms. You know, but I, I guess, and I'm looking forward to maybe losing some weight because God forbid I, I go up and down like Luther Vandross. It drives me crazy. But I think weight is, it all comes down to being with a mental state, being present, working on the mental well-being also. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like me. We both suffer with anxiety and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And I think um, it's important, but just take more time out for ourselves. Meditate more as much as you can. Yeah, when you when you said that, what went off straight away in my head is smoking. I'm smoking and smoking and smoking, and it's one of them things where it's something in your life that you know you've got to tackle, but you're just like, it's like. Well, you know what? Let me let me give you some advice on that. I yeah. was. You can ask all my friends. They they said Colin would never quit smoking. Right. I smoked probably forty to sixty a day. Bloody hell! And that I went to I went to the doctor. I went on the Champex pill. I went from I went from let's just say forty cigarettes a day down to ten, down to three, down to nothing. And I don't even now only when only when somebody talks about smoking <laughs> is when I remembered I was a smoker because I don't. Yeah. Really, it's been it's been like close to ten years now. Yeah. See, for me, I know it's not healthy. It's not doing any good. Uh, as the years go by, the amount I'm smoking is creeping up. 
but I also just feel like it's my crutch at the same time. So um, Gary, yeah. Gary's actually going to a hypnotherapy lady in a couple of weeks. He's got two sessions booked with her to give up smoking. So I'm kind of waiting to see what happens with him. Um, potentially, that might be something that I try later I down it. the yeah. line. But I did. Well, this is the funny thing. I even booked a session with her. And then I unbooked yeah. it two hours later because I literally couldn't stop freaking out oh about the fact God. that I was going to have to give up smoking. It, you know what? It, it's one of them things where it's kind of like a habit thing with me with my hands. Yeah. Yes. That's what it is. It's, it's, so, it's so crazy. And also, well, I have to say this. When I was a smoker, I was a lot more social. <laughs> yeah. So I used, to, I used to go out more. But now, you know, and... um. You know, I know it just got to a point where it's like, okay, Colin, you're not even smoking this cigarette. You just got it in your fingers and you just, you know, you put them out Waving halfway it around. through. <laughs> and then you light another one and it's just crazy. So, yeah, so I quit smoking. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've I've been with Coleman for 11 years. He's seen me drunk twice. Wow. I'm not a drinker. You know what? Yeah. And, and people are like, oh, my God, I cannot be. Like, they think I'm just some kind of party animal and to be and to, if anything i'm kind of boring i mean i mean at the conference well this year i stayed until the end and mm -hmm. people were like come on dance drink i'm like no i'm fine i'm a so watcher what, do you, I, what i was gonna say what do you do to relax then if you're not into your drinking or your smoking or anything like that what what actually does help you chill out if you're like oh god i'm just having one of these moments and i need to uh, what um, do you do well Okay, so if, if I'm having a moment, like a, if I'm having anxiety or whatever like that, I put myself into a dark room and I and I listen to um, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, meditation. When it comes to hobbies, I I love to, I love getting myself into a really good TV show, or I'll start rewatching Ugly Betty and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I, I want to get back into painting because I really enjoyed that. Okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, but I've never ever been, and I managed a huge nightclub in Detroit for two years, but I never was a drinker then. But that's why he wanted to hire me because, you know, I'm very much a person who, believe me, I've been wasted. I'm not saying I haven't been drunk. I've been wasted yeah. off my ass before, but that is, and I, I really wish for the point in the story, I wish I could be as strict as I am with drinking. At the same time with food, okay. Because if you put because if you put a tiger loaf in front of me, I'll mm -hmm. devour that tiger loaf because bread <laughs> is my, bread. Bread is my bread's my problem. Bread's my cigarettes. Bread's my alcohol. I love bread. I can make mm -hmm. any I can make a sandwich out of anything. Me too. So yeah. um, I really wish I could be as strict with food as what I am with everything else. Well, I think everyone's got something, haven't they? That I think that is what it yeah, comes down to. Yeah. Everybody's got something. So what yeah. do you think um, in our industry affects our mental health the most? Social media. Social media. You know what? I blame so much on to social media, to what's going on in the world right now. You know what? With social media, let's go to the simple things. You know, we're talking about the newbie. The, the, the newbie groomer watches pictures on social media. They come across a picture of a poodle that's impeccably scissored. Mm -hmm. and, they, and they think that's what they have to strive for. And I'm like, no, you don't. You be the best version of you. So yeah. whether you want to compete, that's great, compete. If you want to get certified and get your exams, that's great, do that. But if you don't have that, and that's not on your agenda right now, mm -hmm. that's okay too. I yeah. always push for education, and I always push for qualifications, but only in your own time. Don't do something because somebody says, you should do that, you should do that, because... It's like poking a bear. The more times you say you should do that, that person's going to be like, get stressed out, have anxiety, mm. whatever. But then they look at social media and they see something beautiful and just like thin people and just like pretty people. You know what? We beat ourselves up so much because we don't look like a, a certain way or we don't groom a certain way or we don't wear clothes of a certain kind. And I think, you know, we, that is a lot to do with our mental health and, and the mm. way we think. Because we do get into our own heads. We do, and once again, I'm not saying, but it's anybody's fault. If anything, it's our own fault for allowing it. But um, the brain, we can't control the brain. It does some weird things, doesn't it? So um, <laughs> we just have to go along with it and say, okay, 
Yeah, but well, I, I, mine too. I mean, you know, it, it's craziness. <laughs> but but I do believe social media has a lot to answer for. Um, and I believe including what people say, including myself, have a lot to answer for. Um, you know, we say things we shouldn't say. And, you know, as long as we can admit to it and own up to it and try and be a better version of ourselves, that's the main thing, you know, and yeah. keep on doing what we do, you know. Sure. And I think because we're in such a passionate uh, professions where that is going to trigger emotions between people when um, opinions you know, clash, isn't it? You know, if, there's so many different ways of working with a dog in just the handling respect. Never mind, mm -hmm. oh, I'm a devout scissorer. I should always use comb attachments. You know, you've got all Absolutely, these different yeah. things going on and everyone's so passionate about it. It's about understanding each other and working together to make the best of what we can. You know, it's it's not one clear cut way, is it? It's not maths, basically. It's not like, oh, you've got to do this sum, that's it, do it like that. There's so many ins and outs. And then you've got obviously the competition, when competition's involved, that obviously also is going to trigger a bit of emotion at times as well. And it's just one yeah. of the, I think it's one of them industries where it's bound to happen. It's just keeping it as understanding and kind as, as we can and just keeping yeah, it and, a and, bit of a little net. So what's really important is what we, what we have to realize is as groomers, we are the only people that judge a haircut on a dog because of course. when it comes to my dog, Jigsaw, when he was alive, my God, he looked like absolute trash, but you know what? I didn't care. Because I don't look at my dog as a haircut. I look at my dog as my dog who I love, who I feed and water and cuddle. And yeah. that is what everybody does. And we spoke about this where you walk down the street and you see a person walking down the street with a haircut and you're thinking, oh, my God, who the hell did that haircut? That owner doesn't care. They're no. walking that dog like they're walking the best in show at Crufts because you know what? They don't look at that dog because of its haircut. No. We do. We yeah. we drive down the street and look at haircuts like I didn't do that dog. I didn't do that dog. And it's like people have to realize that what the what the key element to our job is is just making sure that the dog is happy and we give good customer service and we charge our worth and we make a living and be and we're able to pay our bills because that's in reality it. that's that, that's what it's all about. Yeah, and also it's understanding but life runs away with us i mean like i would say to my mum love you mum i'll call you in two days and uh, you know you know and then a week goes by yeah because you know what because we get caught up in our job so you know if you know as a groomer but a nanny brings their dog in for the owner then you should assume automatically but the owner doesn't have the time and when they're trying to explain to you how they want their dog done. And this is a thing we didn't speak about, which is really important. Don't throw the owner a curveball. If you say to an owner, how would you like Fluffy done? Mm -hmm. You have to realize they haven't got a clue. They're, no. they're coming to you. So instead of asking them, when the dog walks in the door, imagine that dog after and say, oh my God, I, let me tell you how Fluffy would look beautiful. Let me try this. You know what? If you are enthusiastic, and mm -hmm. you educate, they will probably say, you know what, Colin, do what you want. I trust yeah. you. Yeah, you're a professional. Yeah, you know, so, you know, you drive the conversation because when you throw him a curveball, and you, and especially if it's like a, a Westie, if it's shorter on the back, longer on the legs, longer on the skirt, round the head, then you know it's a Westie haircut. So yeah. we can just say, I guess Angus is getting the same as normal, short and blah, blah, blah. You know, I think we ask sometimes too many questions to people who haven't gone to grooming school, period. Yeah, and sometimes when customers come into my salon, it they they do say that I ask questions that they weren't necessarily expecting. But I like to ask them, what is this dog's lifestyle? Yeah. How often can you brush it? Um, yeah. What characteristics do you like to see in your dog? So if they want long ears and they like that cute face with the long ear look, then obviously I'll do that. But if it's a dog that's walking all the time, it can have long ears, doesn't walk on its ears, but the legs might be a bit shorter if it's going to be out in the woods yeah. every two days. That's um, perfect, yeah. So there's, you know, there's ways of working with the customer to get them to give you the answers, to tell you the haircut yeah. that's going to suit that dog without yeah, even so saying, the, what do you want? So <laughs> you're, you're, basically, you're basically grooming that dog to that person's lifestyle, which which we all should be doing. We mm -hmm. all should, like, if a dog goes to the woods every single day, it does not need no long, long haircut. And and I, I was said to my ex-student yesterday who messaged me with a picture of a Larsa, she went, oh, my God, this dog looks terrible. I said, go down to the next size and snap on combs. 
Yeah. But the owner says, but the owner says she doesn't want it short. I said no. The owner said that, but what they mean is you have to translate it into owner's terms. When yeah. they say I don't want it short, they mean shaved off, scalped. Yeah. If you're going down from a um, a light blue stuff on going to a yellow, they're not going to know the difference. And you know what? No. Nine times out of ten, they end up loving it. Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, if you leave it long because they don't want it short, inevitably next time round it's going to be a 7F because they haven't been able to keep on top of it. And I actually find it really interesting when you look at um, groomers' pictures that come up on your wall. I I noticed the other day, or so-and-so, they have their dogs really short a lot of the time. I wonder where they live. And it turns out they live right by the seaside. So, of course, their dogs are all going to be short because they're going to be covered in salt and water and sand and grit and God Mm -hmm. knows what else all day, every day. So do you ever struggle with sleeping? I know it's something that groomers struggle with a lot. And if you do struggle, what do you do when you can't sleep? Oh, God. I I belong to the 3.30 a.m. club. Yeah, me too. Hello. (laughs) Half past three to half past five. (laughs) And why is it? So so this morning, for instance, we went to bed last night at 9.59, so 10 o'clock, okay? Yeah. And I don't go to bed right away I because I do my message. Messages are obviously from the UK people. And then later on, I do my international messages. So I laid in bed. I did a couple of emails, all that kind of stuff. And it's really bad because my spelling is shocking anyway. So in the dark, it's really bad. And um, But then I went to bed and then I woke up. Uh, actually, it was four o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then Coleman said to me, what, you can't see? I'm like, no. And also, I'm allergic to cats. And I got our cat who sleeps, <laughs> right, who sleeps right next to my head. Of course she does. So, but but I, I love this cat so much because we rescued this cat and I just love him. So I, I said, look, you know what? I've had six hours of sleep. I'm getting up. So normally I would lay in bed. But when I lay in bed awake, I get I get really bad anxiety. Mm, me too. When I, when I get up and I'm like, all right, go downstairs, grind some coffee beans, bloody, bloody, blah, sit in the office, do my post for the day. I kind of get the day started. And then if I want, and I am lucky. I work from home. So if come one o'clock, if I want to lay on the couch and watch some Law and Order, which I love, that's mm-hmm. getting back to that question, what do you do? I listen to crime, a lot of crime podcasts. I love crime stuff. Um, it's amazing the amount of serial killers called Colin, by the way, just to let you know. I said to Coleman, I'm like, he's like, oh God. But no, it's true. But um, so, yeah, so that's what I do. I kind of, it's really, really difficult without, you know, you can go to a doctor and you can get medication or you can take, um, what the, what pills was it, which is natural, um, like a, a nighttime tea or whatever like that, or even CBD tea, you know, with mm-hmm. CBD in it. To me, it's like, I'd much rather go to bed just like feeling totally knackered. And I lay in bed, I, I fall asleep like that. Then I wake up an hour later. Yeah. And, you know, but I do believe, and I will say this, getting back to meditation, you have, and also phone time, because that's so important. When you are on the phone, constantly looking at the phone, your brain is going a mile a minute, mile a minute, mile a minute. So I would suggest to people to put down their phone a good two hours. And this is going to be, this is going to be like quitting smoking, believe me. Put down the phone a couple of hours before bed. Try not to have the bright screen on while you're in the dark while you're in bed because it just stimulates too much up here, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, melatonin, that's what I'm trying to say. That's, yeah, I was actually, I was thinking Mel- that was, I was trying to think of melatonin. the exact same word. Yeah. I go to bed listening to, I got three meditation apps on my phone, which I absolutely love. And also, Coleman bought me this space dog for Christmas, which projects this like, northern lights on the ceiling oh wow and and it also plays music through it so i listen to thunderstorms or rain i love rain i love wind or like a like a very light piano you know so that, that's what i do i kind of try and take myself away from everything and yeah really try to teach your brain what well you know it well it's at the end of the day it's mindfulness and that you which is difficult for me to yeah. try and fixate on something and think about only that. So mm. I've I've learned and I, it's working to fixate on the piano or the thunderstorms and to in between the thunderstorms to wonder when the next one's going to come, and mm. that helps me a lot. So that's what I can suggest. That's what I and that is and- such an interesting thing because 
it's coming back to like basically coming back to nature because you've got a lot of natural sounds in there the northern lights yeah. again it's very natural very nature yeah. and when you think about like going back to when you was a kid and like thunderstorms i mean some people are scared of thunderstorms but if you're not scared that's what you do you look out the window yeah. oh look at that noise when's the next one gonna come yeah you know you're listening yeah. waiting i really struggle with meditation and trying to concentrate on one thing i the th thoughts come in and out of my brain like the bloody hokey cokey but something like listening to thunder i used to love to, i still love doing that and even at 37 if there's a big thunderstorm i'm the first person at the window to go oh let's watch the lightning oh let's listen oh, i love it so yeah i'm actually going to try that next time i can't sleep yeah. because that's a really good way of like holding that attention to that one thing isn't it um this might sound terrible because I should be judging and watching, but when I'm watching a competition, especially the pure breed scissor or the poodles, mm -hmm. the scissoring and to watch people groom is the most, I'm not going to say boring because it's relaxing. Mm. Yeah, it's, relaxing. To a non-groom, non it's like, oh my God, this is boring. To me, to hear the, the scissors closing, yeah. it totally, totally zones me out. I think a lot of us are stimulated by noise, especially with, you know, when it comes to certain things. And so with me, I can take my mind off. And even if you were to sit there and meditate and have a sound which you record, anything that works, just try it. Because believe me, you know, when it comes to trying to go to sleep or whatever, what if, if, I, if I'm in a dark room and it's dead silent, for a migraine, that's amazing. But if I'm in a dark room and it's silent and my 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 mind's going to like the clappers, I have to have something which kind of takes it off of that yeah. hamster wheel. They, yeah. they do quite often recommend if you can't sleep and you are literally just laying there getting frustrated or getting anxious, the best thing to do is to get up because yeah. then apparently what happens is that your brain then associates with being in your bed as that stressful anxious frustrated yeah. place which will then turn into a loop where you then can't sleep ongoing yeah. because you're That's stuck in true. that mindset so yeah. i think that actually like you said either getting up and going to the office and doing a few bits sorting your post out or having something else to focus on that takes that um negative influx of feelings mm -hmm. away is probably a really good thing to do so that's something that I'm I'm definitely going to take on board. I'm I'm going to get downloading some thunder sounds onto my phone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what but, I'm but, but, believe me, they're absolutely they're they're amazing, and it's just it's just one of them things where you know it's like people saying about the wind. Obviously, you know the when it's dangerous wind, I don't like it for people. But mm. at night time, I will crack my bedroom window because we live down a country lane, and the and the wind howls down it, and I absolutely love it because Ooh. it because to me it's totally totally relaxing it sends me and heavy rain it just sends me into heavy rain where you, you know, live cool i tell you what i got stuck there sorry sorry to interrupt i've literally just totally no, that's fine. you but i came back from um some of gary's family just after christmas and the rain was so bad the day after boxing day it took uh -huh. us an hour to get 10 minutes from their house to stonehenge we looked at the clock oh one God. hour and there wasn't even any crashes. It was literally volume of traffic and volume of rain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and also people looking at the rocks. That's it. Yeah, that as well. Uh, but whenever I come down that bit, I always see the bit that it comes there. And I'm like, oh, I'm in Collins County. <laughs> yeah, I always take the, the road parallel to that, which is the back roads, which takes yeah. you through the army bases, which I totally miss out Stonehenge, which is... um. Probably for the summertime, it's great. There's so many people looking at it. It's crazy. Ah. So um, what? last question, what were you most proud of last year? Last year, I'm not proud. I'm happy. Um, mm -hmm. Coleman had cancer. Coleman had cancer, so, and he got over the cancer. Brilliant. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's just one of them things where, you know, it is, it's a, it, I tell you what them words, when you hear them words, it's horrible. But when you, when everything comes out, as it has, you know, it's, I mean, mentally, I think it's still bad, but we, we got through the worst of it. Um, on a positive note, what I love about last year, um, I practice kindness more. I'm going to practice kindness a little bit more and more. Um, I think mm -hmm. we can all practice kindness. Um, yeah. so, I, so I think that's one thing I was happy, proud of myself with the fact that I kept, I didn't speak when I, when I was thinking. Okay. But hang on, I, I didn't act on my words. Meaning, if I had an issue, I kept it to myself. I didn't go on social media with it. 
I didn't, I, I just I threw it away. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, So taking yeah, and, a and, few seconds back and just trying yeah. to be a bit less impulsive. I'm the same as you. I'm very impulsive. Yeah. I see things and I'm like, Ugh! and sometimes Well, you do yeah. just have to stop halfway through that message, don't you? You get halfway through, you think, why am I doing this? Oh my Why God. am I, why am I doing this? Um, So many times I look at a comment and I'm like, oh, I'm in a comment. I'm like, you know what? It, delete, 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 because there's no point, you know, and especially, you know, and to me, you know, it gets to a point, once again, social media, you know, we have to be really careful what we type because it can be misscrewed so easily. And if you don't put a kiss or a happy face after the sentence and people look at it the wrong way. So, and you know what? I do have that aspect to me where I lived in America for close to 20 years. So I'm very sometimes cut and dry. Like, I, I got to think about how people may read it. So I'm very, I, I, that's what I'm, I'm happy about that. Good, good. Well, thank you so much for speaking to me, Colin, again, and being so patient and coming back on to speak to me again. Yeah. No, it's fine. Um, it's been a really, really nice conversation. So, yeah, thank you so much for your time. And you know what you're doing, and I have to say this because you're doing amazing. And at the Liz Paul Awards, I think for podcast of the year, you were probably, if I'm not wrong, about two or three votes behind Bill Betts. So you have done incredible. So keep Okay, yeah. up the good work. Thank you. Well, because you know what? It's, um, you know, a lot of people are doing podcasts, but not a lot of people are doing podcasts on well-being and really making the emphasis on mental health. And that's really, really important because what makes us more like like relatable is people understanding that we struggle with the same problems what every everybody struggles with. Mm. And a lot of us do. There's a lot of oh us god out yeah there that do. So, yeah, it's really uh, to me. It's just really important. But I think it's really nice. I oh, think <laughs> thank you for your compliments. I never really know no, how to no, take a compliment. no, 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 Um, no, 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 you, but you, no, you I just appreciate take it. Yeah, it, and I'm glad you should that be proud. people are enjoying it. So thank you very much for that. Thank you. Well, I hope you have a lovely rest of your day, Colin. You too, And um, and I'll talk I shall to you soon. see you soon. Cheerio. Bye. Bye. What a great chat that was with Colin. We covered so many different topics and I absolutely loved hearing about how he clears his mind and goes to sleep listening to Thunder. It's such a natural thing to listen to and I think that could actually work for me, so I'm definitely going to give it a go. Next week we have a groomer called Caroline Anderson. She has owned a larger salon but now works alone. However, she also has another business called The Horse's Path. She offers one-to-one -one and group well-being coaching sessions to people with all sorts of struggles and problems. And the animal, the horse, is a role model for the way that the coaching works. She also has horses and sometimes they do play their part in the coaching too. Over the next few weeks, I'm mainly concentrating on groomers and the things that they like to do outside of work. The things that calm them down, the things that cheer them up, their hobbies, their interests and groomers with well-being or therapy businesses that they also run. It wasn't really planned that way. but it did end up being a bit of a running theme throughout this series. Make sure that you follow Wellbeing for Dog Groomers, the podcast on Facebook. Also follow it on your chosen podcast platform and give us a rate of five star too. It all helps people find the podcast. So I look forward to being back next Tuesday. I hope you have a brilliant week and that you can stay warm. Cheerio.